We are going to uh, jump back into our uh, new series that we started last week, Major Lessons from Minor Prophets. And today, Obadiah. We're going to turn over to that. Uh, we'll be reading through that in just a moment. Obadiah. Today, uh, second week of Major Lessons from Minor Prophets. In case you missed it, uh, last week we, we are setting aside a, a, a few weeks to dig into some of the the less popular books of the Bible, you might say. Uh, not that they're less valuable or less uh, important, uh, but um, their messages, if, you, if you've ever read them, and probably a lot of us have, they do require, for you to understand and grasp what they're talking about, they do require a little bit more study for context. Like, what, who, who, was it, who were they writing to and why were they writing it? Um, uh, their, their messages sometimes are not just on the surface easy to understand. Um, uh, they're called minor prophets, not because their meaning is less important, but because they're just short. That, that's the reason. Um, and, and their messages are generally uh, narrowly focused to a certain group, as you'll see today. Uh, whereas the major prophets, like uh, Isaiah, Lamentations, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, they're longer. That's the reason they're called major, because they're just longer. They're bigger. Uh, and they also they tend to have a broader audience, broader message. And as a result, you know, we're generally more familiar with uh, the, the major prophets than we are the minor prophets. With, like I said, a couple of exceptions like Jonah and maybe Hosea. Um, there are 12 minor prophets. Uh, we started last week with Joel. Um, it was the first time I'd ever preached or taught from the book of Joel. But I learned a lot when I was studying it, and hopefully from the message last week, maybe you understand a little bit more about it as well. Um, and as I said last week, I want to give you a word, a word that you can associate uh, and help you remember the different books that we're going to be talking about. So the word for Joel was what? Locust, right, locust. Um, and there's a picture of, of those big old grasshoppers that uh, would, would often plague the land. Joel compares the future day of the Lord to a recent locust plague that uh, had, had uh, infested the land. Um, and uh, uh, the, the message was, you know, let this, this remind you uh, remember how you grieved during all that, during the locusts? Well, we, you, there's a coming destruction that is going to, um, to affect you, and it's going to be even worse the day of the Lord. Um, <clears throat> and just grieving isn't going to help you. What you've got to do is change your heart. Change your heart. Uh, and, and if you change your heart, then God will show compassion on you, you won't have to worry about the destruction that's coming. Uh, and remember the phrase that Joel used, rend your heart, not your garment. Uh, if, if you weren't here last week and, you know, you wonder what in the world that means, well, go back and listen. Uh, you can go on our website and, and, and find that message from last week or, or your favorite uh, source for podcasts. Also, you could listen to it on Facebook as well. Rend your heart, not your garments. Change your heart and God will have compassion on you. Today we're studying a prophet with one of the best names in history, Obadiah. Obadiah, I'm sure many of you were tempted to name your child that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, 
you, you, you might have, uh, have heard of, of this book only because of the name. Wow, yeah, I've heard of Obadiah. That's, that's, got, that's one of those books in the Bible. Uh, but do you know anything about it? Do you know anything about the prophecy found in Obadiah's message? Uh, I'll have to tell you. Again, as with Joel last week, I, I know I've read Obadiah before, but you know, if you'd have asked me, I couldn't have told you anything about it or what it's about or, uh, and, until I started studying it for this week. It's only one chapter, 21 verses. Um, it's a, a, a simple page turn. If you're going through the Bible and, and the wrong page is stuck together, you just miss it. <laughs> I mean, it's that short. Um, Obadiah has a message. What is the major message from this minor prophet for today? Well, the message of Obadiah was, it has a powerful backstory. In fact, without the backstory, you have a difficult time understanding what this, this book was about. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to you. Uh, so we need to understand the backstory first. Uh, uh, let, let's start with the one word, though. The one word uh, comes with a picture. Uh, this is Petra. Petra. I'm sure it's familiar for some of you movie buffs. Uh, it's an ancient city that's built into the rock cliffs of a place called Edom. <clears throat> uh, everyone say Petra. Petra. Now that's your word. That's your word. Uh, this is the word for the day. Uh, it's a place. It's a city built into this cavernous maze. Uh, you've probably seen that. In, in a movie before, too, uh, that's uh, in the mountain uh, uh, of this region called Edom. It's a city that you might expect to see in some far-off planet in a Star Wars movie, right? Uh, except that it's a real place. It's a real place. Uh, in fact, uh, as, as I indicated, if you've seen any of the Indiana Jones movie, the In Search of the Grail, the one In Search of the Grail, uh, that, that maze and that... Uh, that city that, that's carved, literally carved into the mountain, uh, that building uh, was featured. You know, that was where the Holy Grail was found, inside that thing. Uh, you know, the, these pictures of the city uh, kind of give you a glimpse of, of the nation that lived there called Edom. Uh, but as we read the book of Obadiah, uh, it, it gives us an excellent context of who they were where they were, what they did. Edom is a nation that is southeast of, of Israel and Judah. If you look on the map, it's the yellow section down at the bottom. And if you look down at the bottom right-hand corner, uh, you, see the, the, you see Petra. And that's where uh, that city was located, where they lived. Uh, Petra, the strong city, the strong city, nearly impenetrable from outside invaders because the only access to them was via the, that maze of narrow caverns, uh, dangerous cliffs. It was really hard to get to them in this place that they lived. Now, why is Petra the word of the day for Obadiah? Uh, because unlike other prophets, Obadiah is not addressing his message, his prophecy to the Jews. This isn't, doesn't really have anything to do with them. Um, he's talking to Edom. This is addressed to the nation of Edom, which is a kingdom, a kingdom of nomads, of desert wanderers, who had been very creative, very ingenious in the way they protected themselves and the way they 
they flourished. Uh, they, they built for themselves this beautiful, secure nation in the mountains. Now today we're, we're going to read the entire book of Obadiah. Uh, a rare privilege, we normally don't get to do that during a sermon because they're, they're too long. But because it's so short, we're going to actually read the whole thing. Um, and, and, and I want to unload all this backstory so that when we read it, hopefully, we'll be able to tie it together and the meaning will come clear for us all what, what, uh, what Obadiah is talking about. Edom was the neighboring nation to the Jewish people of Judah and also Israel. Um, which wouldn't be a big deal necessarily, except for one huge detail that you might not get or you might not understand if you don't have the backstory. The nation of Edom is directly related to Israel by blood, by blood. You might recall the story back in Genesis uh, of uh, a man named Abraham who had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And then we, we understand as we read that, that the blessing of God that was given to Abraham was passed on to, to Isaac. Then Isaac had two sons. Uh, their names were Jacob and Esau. You might be familiar with that. Um, now, let me, let's ask this question. Did, did Jacob and Esau have a good relationship with each other? <laughs> no, they did not. They did not. For the most part, no. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the details of what happened between Jacob and Esau, but you can get into the details. Uh, maybe this week you might read Genesis 27 through 33, and you'll get caught up on what happened between those two brothers, Jacob and Esau. But basically, no, they did not have a good relationship. Um, Jacob stole Esau's birthright, uh, is the big thing uh, that happened. And because of that, then Jacob received the blessing. Uh, that had been given to Isaac, that was given to Abraham. Then Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Jacob became Israel. Uh, Jacob became literally the, the namesake for the Jewish nation and is even still used today. So you think about the nation of Israel, that's the nation of Jacob uh, in, a, in a sense. Um, now Esau was basically sent into the desert um, and he received no blessing, uh, uh, as Jacob did. And do you know what they changed, what God changed his name to, or his name was changed to? Edom. So Esau became Edom. Jacob became Israel. So Israel, or Jacob, and Edom, or Esau, have been at odds with each other, um, uh, all the way back to Genesis, they were at odds with, with each other. And while they were at odds with each other, at the same time, they were still brothers. Brothers, even as nations, they were brothers. Just like Jacob and Esau, Israel and Edom have had this odd tension of brotherly bond and bitter separation. But Esau's descendants have, have been clever to to not only survive in the desert, even though they were sent off to the desert, uh, they not only survived, they thrived in the desert, uh, especially now during this time of Obadiah's prophecy. Uh, and although they didn't have the most fertile land like maybe some of the Israelites had, um, uh, or the water that they needed to, to, to create a great agricultural culture. Edom was very successful and prosperous because 
Uh, they were involved in, in trade, and they were excellent at trade. Their land was perfectly placed to capitalize on the selling and trading uh, of goods. And so it, it, this trade made them very, very rich. And all that to say, uh, at, at this point in history, Edom is sitting pretty. They're doing great. They're doing great. They're very secure. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. But for some reason, which we'll, we'll try to sort out, Obadiah comes to his cousin nation of Edom and brings them a very grim prophecy from the Lord of a coming destruction for this very wealthy, secure nation. Let's, let's begin with verses 1 through 4. Obadiah 1 through 4. The vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, Rise, let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the cliffs of the rock and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, Who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Another uplifting, encouraging prophecy from the minor prophets, right? Um, Obadiah describes uh, this nation sitting in the safety of their fortress in the cliffs of the rocks. And they're, they're there with pride. We're so powerful. We're so wealthy. No army can touch us because there's no way that they can get there. Uh, it would take, you know, uh, uh, you could only fit 10 or 20 soldiers down that narrow uh, uh, maze of caverns to reach them, re reach them. And so it would be really, really difficult for a nation to invade them. So they sit pridefully. They soar like the eagles up in the mountains, uh, believing they're untouchable. But Obadiah says, the Lord will bring you down. The Lord will bring you down. Let's read 5 through 9. If thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will, but, but how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged, all your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, those of understanding in the mountains of Esau? Your warriors, Timon, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. You know, for a city that was known for trade uh, and, and becoming wealthy because they, they dealt with other nations and their goods in trade, um, they were winners in the trade market. Uh, Obadiah says Esau will be ransacked, robbed. You, it won't be like when the grape pickers come in and pick a few grapes, they'll leave some. No, they're going to they're gonna come in and take everything. 
everything. Your allies are going to turn on you. Your friends will deceive you. How will they invade them? They'll trick them. They'll trick them. Your business partners will betray you. The two things that give them so much pride, their security in war and their accumulation of wealth, the Lord says it's going to be destroyed, it's going to be stolen. But why? What in the world <laughs> has called God to turn against Edom? What, what have they done that made God send this message through Obadiah? Well, let's find out. Verse 10 through 14. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof with strangers, when strangers, while strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates, his is, is Jacob, Israel, and cast lots for Jerusalem. You were like one of them, those that invaded. You should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice uh, over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor gloat over them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. Israel, you know, at different times, was invaded by like the Babylonians and, and other nations. Uh, they were often attacked. Um, and so this is about what, what Edom did while that was happening. <clears throat> Notice Obad Obadiah brings in the name Jacob. Uh, he's already referred to Edom as Esau, and now he lays out uh, Edom's offense. And we find that the problem is a violation in uh, a commitment to their brother nation, Jacob. Or Israel. Look at the attitude that Edom is being accused of having towards their brother nation Israel. Verse 11, they stood aloof, uh, or they, they callous non-involvement. They just watched as their brothers were being cut down, as Israel was being taken advantage of by strangers. They stood aloof, did nothing. Verse 12, they gloated, they gloated. Not only did they watch as Israel was torn down, but, but they took malicious pleasure. <laughs> look, look what's happening to them. They gloated at their misfortune. And then verse 13 and 14, then they exploited their brother. They exploited. Uh, after watching without getting involved, after gloating over it all, they joined in and took advantage and profited from their destruction. They seized wealth. They killed their fugitives. They turned in the survivors to the enemy. Esau was basically being a terrible brother to Jacob. Edom was a self-serving nation, a self-serving neighbor. Maybe it's right here when you're, you're, if you're an Edom supporter, Maybe you're an Eden supporter, uh, and you'd say, well, Israel did that kind of stuff. They were just as bad at times, and you'd be right. 
You'd be right, they were. But this is not about Israel. Israel got their share of judgment and their share of punishment for the mistakes that they made. This is about Edom. This is about Edom and their pride. And so Edom now is on the chopping block. Verse 15 and 16, the day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. You know, this, this is the turning point in the book of Obadiah where we start to find uh, the message to Edom and their coming downfall. Before it was all about what they did. Now it's about what's going to happen to them. It's a message really to all nations that imitate what they did. We see the image of of the pride of Edom. Sitting in Jerusalem, drinking and getting drunk, rejoicing over their, their cleverness, their position, their wealth. But one day, Edom and any other nation with their same attitude will drink the grapes of wrath from God himself. And God sets a standard not only for Edom, but for all nations, for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will be, will be returned on your head. But Ob- Obadiah's prophecy is, is not an all doom and gloom. That's one of the things we need to understand about the, the prophecies, the minor prophets. Um, you know, the, it's a specific message given to a specific group of people, a narrow audience, but there's always a glimmer of hope in there. This is what you've done. This is what's going to happen unless, unless you change and you do something different. Uh, to finish the prophecy, Obadiah shares a message about the kingdom of God. Um, we're familiar with that phrase, maybe. We, we see it. Jesus talks about it all the time, the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, commonly used to set the terms uh, by Jesus to describe the reality and the plan of God and the hope of God that everyone can have in the future if they make the right decisions. Um, while there's doom and there's gloom uh, for those who don't follow God, we always have to understand and are reminded that there is hope, always hope for those who listen, who obey, who love, who know God. Yeah, there's some destruction coming in that day of the Lord. But if you know God and if you obey God, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. Obadiah describes this hope using the same context as we've just seen earlier in this part of the book. Obadiah 17, verse 21. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy. And Jacob will possess his inheritance. The hope is in uh, Mount Zion, the, the, the nation of Israel for this time period. And those in the nation of Israel who are faithful who rend their hearts, not their garments. Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. Those were both um, uh, people of the Jewish nation. Esau, Esau will be a stubble. 
and they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. People from the Negev will occupy the mountains of Esau. The people from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria, and Benjamin will possess Gilead. The company of Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zephyrath. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Sepharad will possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. Those who are faithful to God, there will be deliverance, and they'll take possession of all that you thought no one could have. Edom. In other words, a message to Edom and to all nations, to all nations who act like Edom, uh, all people, all people who act like Edom will be stubble. They'll be destroyed. But the Lord, the God of Judah, the God of Jerusalem, there is hope for those who choose to follow God. That's the message. That's the message of Obadiah. What does that have to do with us? Um, what, what does this message to an ancient desert nation have to do with me and you today? You might look at that and go, "Woo, man, I'm glad I'm not an Edomite. Glad I'm not uh, Esau and then that group. Shoo. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. This, this is not just for them. It's for everyone. Uh, the major lesson from this minor prophet should be pretty simple to understand. Um, uh, and, but sometimes we try to make things difficult. When we're reading a, a, a prophecy like these prophecies, or maybe even the book of Revelation, when we're, as Christians, reading that, <clears throat> sometimes we treat prophecy um, in a way that we shouldn't. We, we try to read into it more than we need to. We, we, we try to figure out well, who's who, and, and what does this fit, and where does that fit? And we might think, well, Edom, okay, Edom is America. No, 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 wait, no, Edom, Edom is Israel's America, and Edom is some other evil, that's China or something, you know, that's Russia, that's, but, but, you know, we're, we're Israel. You know, if we're doing that, we're going way too far. We're going too, way too far. Uh, it's, this is not a riddle that we've got to figure out who's who and what's what. Uh, it's more like a parable. We need to think of it more like a parable. Uh, we don't need to turn it into some hidden conspiracy where, where, we, where we, you know, carry the one and, and, uh, and do the algebra uh, computation and figure out who is who and, and where it applies. No, it's, it's, it's just a story really about the attitude of Edom. That's really all it's about. It's about the attitude of Edom. What was their attitude? Pride, arrogance, aloof, negligent, selfish. That's what Obadiah is talking about. It's their attitude towards their brother. Um, these are all characteristics that lead to destruction. Uh, and particularly here when it comes to looking after your brother. When you have these attitudes, you don't care about your brother. So we see Esau or Edom watch as their brother Israel was being mistreated, uh, was being abused by other nations. They just watched. They did nothing. 
They sat back in the safety and the wealth of their city. And they waited for, for an opportunity to then join with those who were destroying Israel and take advantage of them. They watched as their neighbor suffered, their brother suffered, and they did nothing to help them. And then they participated in it. The elementary problem in Edom was their attitude, their apathy towards others. And so it's bizarre to me that this message from Obadiah, some obscure prophet uh, that we've never studied, (laughs) maybe, uh, should surface today. Uh, A time in which the mistreatment of people is pretty common in our culture today. We think of the crime. How many times have we seen those terrible videos of, of these horrible crimes of evil people just attacking innocent people? Uh, abortion, uh, innocent babies being ripped from their mother's wombs and killed. The riots of ungodly people destroying property. Uh, homelessness, people that are just living in tents on the streets. Um, uh, illegal immigration, we're, we're all against illegal immigration, but all these people are souls. They're precious souls of God, and, and, and they, they are suffering the persecution of Christians throughout the world. And even here in America, is becoming more and more common. And even most important, uh, the lost. People who we see every day of our life who are going to experience this horrible day when, when the day of the Lord comes because they don't know Jesus as their Savior. And we just stand by and watch them, aloof, negligent, not caring about them because we're so so concerned about ourselves and our own wealth and our own well-being. You know, I literally had no idea what Obadiah was about, except that it's a book in the Bible uh, before I studied it this week. But here we have it. Here we have it. Um, What are we going to do with that message? Verse 15, the day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, Will it be done to you? Your deeds will return upon your own head. That's the warning to Edom. But I think it's also a warning to all of us uh, as we serve the Lord today as Christians. What have we done or not done that we should have done uh, or shouldn't have done? What have we done or not done to others? You know, expect that for yourself. If you've done good to others, if you, if you and I have, have reached out to meet a need, then we're going to be rewarded for that. But if we've just neglected others and not cared about them and stood aloof as they suffered, as they're lost, then what, what are we going to expect from our neglect? You know, I look at Edom, a, a people who felt safe in their fortress city, a people who felt comfortable in their wealth. We don't... We don't have to worry about anything. We've got all this wealth. And I'm forced to look at myself in the mirror. Am I like them? Am I like them? Uh, I feel safe in my home. Nobody's going to hurt me there. I'm comfortable. i got money. I, I can buy what I need. I don't have to worry about anything. Um, and so I sit comfortable and I sit uh, 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 safe 
But then what comes next if I just stay there, if I just stay in there? Um, does this security and comfort turn to arrogance and selfishness? That's what happened to Edom. Uh, has, has my life already gotten there yet to that point? You know, these are hard questions that we, we need to ask ourselves. Um, because ultimately, the lesson of Edom, or the Obadiah, is clear. The day of the Lord is near. The day of the Lord is near. And my treatment of my brother and my neighbor will be evidence of whom I serve. Thank God for his grace. Because I need it. I know you do too. But a form of evidence, and we talked about this in Sunday school a little bit, a form of evidence that, that I am serving Jesus, uh, who gave me that grace. Jesus said this, John 13, 35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how they'll know. Not how many verses of the Bible you've memorized or uh, what your church attendance is. All those, those, those things are very important and, and helpful the identifying factor of whether we serve Jesus or not, whether our faith is real, is our display of love to others. Proof that we follow Jesus, that we follow the Lord, God, the God of Jacob, Yahweh, proof that we follow him can be found in how we love one another. That's what Jesus said. <laughs> now, who does that apply to? Who's being neglected around us? Who's being abused? Who's, who are we standing aloof to and not even paying attention to at all? Who's in need? Who is being persecuted? Who is lost and is going to suffer on the day of the Lord? Um, I can't answer that question for you. Uh, but, but as a messenger of God's word this morning and the, the message that God laid on, on me today, I can say with confidence that, that our sour attitude towards others can make us blind to their needs. That was Edom's problem. Their sour, horrible attitude towards their brother. And Edom is being called out for it. And we can take a message from this. We're being called out for it too. And Jesus tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. They'll know you're a Christian by your love for others, not for a church, but for others. For others. We're being called out too. All nations are put on notice for repeating this pattern. All people are put on notice for repeating this pattern. So pride has got to go. You know, we're filled with it. We're tempted to be filled with it, aren't we? We cannot welcome a spirit of vanity in our lives. We must see people like God sees them, his beloved child, and move to love them as he loves them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this obscure book of Obadiah, this one-page book that I, I didn't know anything about at all until this week. But what a powerful message it is 
Uh, it was powerful for Edom, certainly, uh, because they were destroyed because of it. Um, but we haven't been destroyed yet, Lord. We've still got hope. We've still got a chance to, to rend our heart and not our garment, to turn to you. And the, the one way we turn to you, Lord, is, is not, by, not by more church attendance and more Bible memorization, and all those are important. But the one special way that we turn to you is by loving each other, by, by caring about our neighbor. And one of the most important ways we can care about them uh, is to share the love of Christ with them, to share Christ with them, because they're lost. And when the day of the Lord comes, and if they don't know Jesus, they're going to be destroyed like Edom was and, and anyone else who doesn't know him. So help us to care enough about others, to love them enough, to meet a need, to share Jesus. We ask all this in Jesus' name.